0: As a missionary, I get the privilege of dropping in like someone dropping out of an airplane. I have no idea what goes on in your church. I get to just preach whatever I want. Sometimes I'll feel mean and I'll just come after you, and other times I'll want to encourage you. Just kidding. The good news today, I feel like I want to encourage you. If you will, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, I want to read for you verses 16 to 23. And when I look at a text like this, I find great joy knowing that it not only spoke to them in that day, but the same truths and the same wisdom that Jesus gave the apostles, the disciples, when he sent them out is still helpful for us today. It just shows you the sufficiency of Scripture to address every area in our lives. Can we say amen? Amen. I'm going to read this text, and we'll launch into the message together, but let us read the authoritative words of our Master and King. Read with me, starting in verse 16. Behold... I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in the synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious as to how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak But the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will be delivered over to death, will deliver brother over to death, and father his child. And children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. For my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. We know from God's word... That persecution is a reality. In John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, Jesus said, If the world hated you, know that it has hated me before it. Before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. 1 Timothy 3.12, Paul declares, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. History has proven these truths to be real. It's true that the price of truth has always been the price of blood. After all, Tertullian, one of the early church fathers of the second century, said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. We can ask the early disciples who listened to this message directly if this was true in heaven, and they will tell you that that's true because Stephen was stoned to death for preaching in Acts 7. James, the apostle, was put to death with a sword in Acts 12. And James, the brother of Jesus, was stoned to death. And Peter, we know from church history, was, was uh, sacrificed upside down. One man said of the apostles that the apostles suffered incredible persecution and died horrible deaths in the Christian cause. The only possible explanation for their zeal was that they had actually seen, walked with, and eaten with the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. If Christ had not yet appeared to the apostles, would they all have died for a lie. The fact of Christianity is that we will be persecuted. It's evident throughout all of church history. Polycarp, John Huss, William Tyndale, Lou Hugh Latimer, John Hooper were all bound and burned at the stake for the sake of the gospel. This is the calling of Christianity. Matthew 24 verse 21 and verses and revelation make it very clear that it's not just true in past, but it will get even worse in the future. And as we look at the scene, as we look at what is going on in the world today, we can see dark, dark clouds coming. Can we not? Can we not? Hello? Can we not? Thank you very much. I knew you were there. I saw you. I like interacting. We're going to pretend like this is Africa, and you guys are going to interact with me a little bit here, All right makes me feel at home persecution is part of christianity Matthew 5:10 and 11 declare that you will be persecuted why for the sake of righteousness Romans 8:17 says that if you are sons of God and fellow heirs of Christ if indeed you suffer with Him. I say all of this so that we understand that we actually have been living in days in this country for the last several generations. Days of ease. Why? Because the gospel had so infiltrated our countries that that Christian values were trumpeted. And we got the joy of, of sitting in the tree and the shade of Christianity and the sweetness of it, the richness of our country, the trust that's embedded within our justice system. All of those are, are, are fruits of the grace of God lavished upon our countries. And for that, we only can say, A. amen. I could take you to Africa and we don't have those joys but that's why I'm there. Because we're going to have them when the tree comes falling down here, there's going to be a big tree in Uganda. And we'll have plenty of houses for you to come on over. The great Anglican JC Ryle said laughter, ridicule, opposition, and persecution are often the reward which follows which Christ's followers get from the world. The Bible has never hidden the reality that Christians will suffer. It's only announced this truth. And Jesus, as he approaches his own disciples here, he tells them the same thing. I'm going to send you out, but I'm sending you out into persecution. Now, The instructions of Jesus had begun earlier in the beginning of the chapter. In verse 5, he tells the disciples where they are to go and where they're not to go. In verse 7 through 8, he tells them how they are to minister. In verses 8 through 15, he tells them how they are to behave while they minister. And now in the section that we're looking at this morning, he shows them the nature of their mission. The nature of their mission. And how they are to respond. And although this is instruction specifically given to the apostles, the wisdom that is given is just as applicable today as it was then. So in light of that, what I'm going to do is I, I'm going to you, show you five parts of this message. I'm going to provide for you five parts. Now, I want to tell you up front so that you can follow. I'm going to fly through the first three parts. We're going to land and look long in part number four, and then we'll just end by quickly giving you part five. So the massive focus of our attention will be in the fourth part. But all of it will set the stage. And forgive me as I don't just go sequential, but I will pull ideas together. But I think it's of benefit to all of us. I want to pray right now, and I want to ask the Spirit of God to aid us and to win our hearts to greater affection for Him as we look into His Word. So let's pray together. Father, we come today and we want to be the church that arises as we've sung. We want to be a massive part of your army that penetrates the world for your name. We want your name to be made great. Oh, Lord, we want it to be made great. And we want to be perfect servants under your majesty, proclaiming the sweetness of your name throughout the world. Lord, help us to that end. Lord, help us to go everywhere and talk about our master. Help us, to, help us to cause everyone to turn their eyes up to the king who reigns over all things. Help them all know that they stand condemned for their rebellion against your majesty. And elicit within us a courage this morning as we hear your word, give us a, a, a wisdom as we walk and carry about our, a, 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 the mission in each of our lives. Help us and may your word go and penetrate into our minds and may we live its principles for our joy and for your glory. May your spirit minister to us. And elicit elicit into our hearts the sweetness of your truth today. And it's for your name we pray. Amen. The first part of this mission, and I want you to get your pens out. All right, kids, if you follow along, you can draw pictures of what we're talking about. There's some cool pictures to draw this morning. All right? You can draw like a snake. Watch, I'll show you. Even sheep. So you watch, all right? Draw a picture and show it to me afterwards. First part is the condition. The condition of the mission. Are we ready? <laughs> I asked you a question, you didn't answer. Here we go. Are we ready? Yes. Woo! Okay, let's go. Read with me once again, Matthew 10, 16. There are three passages that show the condition, and I'll show you each one of them, so follow along. First, Matthew 10, 16, the condition of the mission. Behold, I am sending you out as, as, in the midst of. I told you, that's a cool picture you can draw. So be wise, serpents and innocent as doves. According to the passage before us, we are, they were to be sheep sent out to wolves. Now listen to me. Here you are lining up under Jesus, ready to get instructions of what's going to happen when I'm sent out. You're kind of excited. You're ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Church arise. Okay, let's go. And then these words come out. I am going to send you as sheep, and I'm going to send you where? To wolves. <laughs> You're like, what? 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 Are you serious? Remember, sheep were the most dependent, helpless, stupid of all domestic animals. Probably a fitting explanation for humanity. And a wolf was the sheep's greatest enemy. Wolves' nature for, was for them to tear sheep apart. When they saw a sheep, they would attack it. They'd mutilate it. They'd devour it into multiple pieces. And so with that in mind, let me say this yet again. I am going to send you sheep into the midst of what? Everybody say, woo! Sounds fun, Right? According to Jesus, this was their mission. Though obviously, sheep would not want to go where wolves are. But we must understand that the calling of every minister of God, the calling of every Christian, is to go in the midst of Wolves. And we need to understand this. We need to get this into our mind. The world is filled with wolves. Sometimes we, we, we go out in ways that are just crazy, not knowing that they are what? That they are what? Not knowing that they're wolves. And we are only sheep. We are called to go into a hostile world of ungodly, sin-bound souls men who hate the truth men who love sin but that's our job we are to go in the midst of them we're to tell them the truth that they are sinners that they are in rebellion against god and that they must repent of their sins this is the nature of our mission Romans 8:36 says for the sake for your sake we are being put to death all day long we are considered as sheep led to the slaughter. My dear friends, we are powerless people with a powerful message being sustained by an all-powerful God. And but we should never forget That we are still going to hostile, ruthless people. People who want to tear us to pieces. Look with me in verse 17. He says in verse 17 that beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. Look at verse 18 and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Every city had their own governance. Every city would have their own judicial system, and the courts would exercise that whole system, the judicial system. And so he's saying, you're going to go, and they're going to be dragged to these courts, You're going to be brought for these governors, these kings, and be mistreated, be flogged, scourged. Now, a scourge was usually a whip that would give you lashes. So you can imagine being told this as you're getting ready to go out on your mission. It doesn't necessarily excite the heart, does it? It makes you want to run instead of, run away instead of run to the mission. But this is exactly what they were to do. The Apostle Paul five times received 39 lashes. These guys were real men. We're a bit of cowardly, are we not? According to verse 21, it says, Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. There is nothing more painful than being betrayed. Hatred from outside the church is understandable. But according to this, it will be an intimate fellowship. It will be brother to brother. Father to child. Child to parent. And there's nothing more painful than receiving hatred from among your own family. From whether it be the church or whether it be within your intimate family, nothing is more painful than that. Verse 22, in the nature of this, says you will be hated by all. Welcome to the mission, right? Right? The obvious statement is a general statement, not that every single person will hate you, but the general consensus will be you will not be popular. Christianity in our day has just passed laws that are aimed at Christianity. There's no question about it when you guys are having this conversion therapy or you'll be, if you do that, you'll be put in jail. That's crazy. In America, where they're passing laws that if you speak up against gay, lesbian, and transgender lifestyle, that you're going to be put in trouble, that's concerning. But that has always been the case throughout human history. And it has never silenced the messenger of God. It has only caused us to rise up For the sake of those who we love, to tell them there's a King, tell them His way is the best. To hold to the values of God's Word because He is the King. His His Word must reign supreme. Whether we are popular or not, whether we're hated or not, that has been the ongoing call. Why are we hated? It's because of the guilt of their lifestyles. They want to silence our voice that they might be okay with their sin. They want freedom from the law of God over them. And from their inward hearts, because you you bring their consciences awakened, they hate you from the inward part of their being. Which brings us to the second part of this message, the cause of the persecution, the cause of the persecution. Look with me in verse 18, part B. He says, it in, uh, he says there, he says that you will be dragged before the governors and kings for what? For what? For my sake, for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Verse 22 also says, for my name. False religion reacts against believers because it is generated by Satan. Governance, governments react against believers because they're under the control and the power of the ruler of this world. And because Satan hates God, they hate you. Bible is very clear in Ephesians 6 that our fight and struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against powers, and against the world forces of, this dark, of the darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Jesus Christ is our captain. Jesus Christ is our king. He is our master. And Satan hates our master. And the world is Satan's followers. So the moment you join God's army, we awaken Satan's servants against ourselves. First Peter says that our adversary, the devil, which prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Therefore, persecution will be there because we are servants of his majesty. But this persecution, according to Paul, are the brand marks of Christ. They're Christ's afflictions, Colossians 1.24. They're sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. And this brings us to the third part of this message. And that is the purpose of our persecution. And I want you to catch this. I want you to see this. What is the purpose? Why are we persecuted? Verse 18, as we've already read, explains that it is for to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. The apostles were to be mistreated. For the sake of a testimony, for the sake of a testimony, don't forget it. It's for the sake of a testimony to the Jews and the Gentiles. They were called to suffer for the sake of others. Remember, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down your life for a friend. Well, this is what our testimony is for. The heart of missions is to lay out a testimony to the world of the reality of God. It is a living proclamation, a living witness to the truth. And let me say that the blood shed in persecution is what validates to those whom we're ministering the reality of the truth of our witness. Through suffering, the gospel goes forth powerfully because persecution bears witness to the the validity of our claim. The world knows we truly believe when we're willing to endure persecution for the sake of it. Our testimony never shines brighter than faced with suffering. But it will come at a cost. The cost will be you. One thing, important principle to remember about persecution is this. May we never forget that those who are persecuting us are not our enemy, they are our mission field. Let me say that again. May we never forget that those who are persecuting us are not the enemy, they are the mission field. We are living for the sake of them. We're bearing witness for their sake. We love people. We want everyone to know this Messiah. They are bound in their sin, hopeless and helpless, and our witness bears into their life that they must get right with their God. That's our mission field. So as you endure their beatings, you just smile, and you bear the witness of Christ in their life. I've been in Uganda 17 years, and I can honestly say that not many of them have not involved persecution. Whether that is from a church that sends you, a supporter, the people that you're sent to, your own missionaries, it comes from every angle. Why? Because your life becomes a conviction to the world, and as a result of that, they'll come after you. But when you remember that they are the cause of the mission, it gives you a love and a compassion that God would have His way with with you. That brings us to the fourth. And so just never forget, brethren, that you are bearing witness to those that you're persecuting. And and I can honestly say that the, the advance of our cause has only been strengthened as people watch us smile through persecution. As they say, I don't know what that guy is different. Fourth part, and the part that I want to really draw your attention to is the reaction to the persecution, the reaction And I, I'll try and go quickly, but Jesus advises his disciples in five ways. And I want you to write these down so that, that you can be reminded of them in your workplace. You can be reminded of them as you walk about through your lives. There are five ways that Jesus advises his disciples. And it's interesting to note that despite the fact that Jesus is behind the scenes providing amazing care, it does not mean we, have, we don't have a personal responsibility in the midst of it. We have a responsibility. Yes, God's hand is there to protect us, but we have a responsibility in how we act in our day. And, and we could see as we went through the COVID period, there are many reactions of the church. And I think as we contemplate what took place as a sneak peek of what's to come, I think there's wonderful wisdom that comes out of this. Here is the first piece of advice. Are you ready? (laughs) Are you ready? All right, you're still with me. See, you're not allowed to sleep when I preach, it's not allowed. I see you up there too. Don't think I. No. First piece of advice. is this, it's found in verse 16. Are we ready? Be shrewd as serpents or be smart as serpents. The ancient world symbolized, used serpents to symbolize wisdom. They were considered to be shrewd, smart, cunning, Cautious, and Christians uniquely and interestingly are here to emulate a snake. They were to be they were to be smart, wise, and how they handle their reaction to this world. You are going out from these doors. You're going into the world where there's wolves. Are you ready? Are you ready? First thing you need to do is be smart when you get out there. Don't be stupid, okay? We're allowed to say that. Clint said it the other day, so I can now say it. John MacArthur says this. The basic idea of that saying, the basic idea is that of saying the right thing at the right time and place, and of having a sense of propriety or good manners and appropriateness, and of trying to discover the best means to achieve the highest goal. It is neither wise nor loving to be needlessly accusatory or inflammatory, unless you're John MacArthur and you're, you know, coming to 90 and you can say whatever you want, (laughs) But when the Pharisees attempted to trap Jesus into either defending or condemning, this is a continuation of the quote, the Roman governments, by asking him about paying taxes, he did not take the occasion to vilify Caesar or the Roman government, vile, debauched, unjust, and ungodly as they were, nor did he condone their wickedness. He, repeated, he replied simply, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. It is neither brave nor wise and neither spiritual nor loving to needlessly incite anger and cause trouble. I think that that is a great word. Sometimes we equate being bold in our faith with being stupid or abusive. According to Jesus, boldness does not run out wildly or emotionally and attack those who oppose them. But it rather thinks and makes calculated moves. That's why Paul advised in Colossians 4-5 to conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders making the most of your opportunity making your most out of your opportunity my dear friends they're wolves be smart don't just run out crazily be smart in how you exercise yourself second piece of advice is this not only are you to be smart as a serpent you are to be harmless or innocent as a dove gives the idea of purity doves were pure or innocent that's what they represented and this is referring to our lifestyles of righteousness as a result when you go out and that you are persecuted don't respond hatred for hatred But from hatred, respond with love. Avoid negative attitudes. Avoid negative approaches. Avoid slandering them to all of your neighbors and speaking negatively about them. There's no value and it's not godly. Bend the knee and pray for them. It rather involves a positive attitude of purity. Godly wisdom has no part in anything that is impure, anything that is deceitful, anything that is defiling. We don't play by the same rules as the world. We're not leading a revolt. We're we're, we're, We're leaving a testimony, remember. We're to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us. Like Jesus, when we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate or calm ourselves down. 1 Corinthians 4, 12-13. We must represent our message as Paul did and not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit our behavior must validate our truth not invalidate it therefore we must live in a manner worthy of the gospel amen i think it's important that we consider these things i when i first moved to africa i partnered with a guy that was corrupt i got to africa and I had given a bunch of money from my Business days to buy land, build a house for him and myself. And when I got to the country, he said, "Shannon, thank you very much. It all belongs to me." Oh, I knew I had. I, I and honestly, there were times where I'm like, "Ah, you jerk!" You know, uh, you know, and the flesh would come out. I remember one time getting angry with him because he would mistreat me and my family. And I remember sitting back in my chair and feeling deep conviction because I realized that God wanted me to bless my enemy and pray for him and love him and not get angry with him. So I made cookies. My wife made the cookies. I delivered them with a note apologizing. And I made it my goal, my ambition, to love him. That was the greatest thing in the world. His wife came. He was married. They had divorced. After 10 years, came back to me she was looking for somebody who her son can have as a role model (laughs) I would have never thought but we don't play by the same rules I knew that he was a conversion away from everything working itself out and I was going to be the testimony of Christ to him regardless of what he was doing to me that has to be our conviction the third piece of advice is this We must be watchful. Verse 17. We must be watchful. Verse 17 says, "Beware of men. Beware of men. My brethren, when you read your Bibles, it says that unbelieving world is bound in their sin. When we read Romans chapter 3, we realize that they are poison and asps are under their tongue and they're going to seek to what? Devour. Do you run into a snake with poisonous, a, a viper? Do you, you go, how do you treat a viper? I live in Africa. When they come out, we, be, we have a new attitude. We go and we fear Well, that's the idea that's being communicated here. Mankind, sinful mankind, let me tell you, are not nice. They may smile on the outside, but in the inside, more is going on. They are not kind. Remember, these men are Satan's agents, and not for your good, but for your what? destruction. Literally, be on guard, be watchful, be, per, be, per, uh, per, uh, yes, be watchful. Okay, I can't even say the other word. In essence, Jesus calling them to understand the nature of these men. Be proactive to guard yourself against what might happen. Notice, we're still to go, but as we go, we're to go what? Watchfully. That's why Matthew 7, 6 tells us to not throw our pearls before what? Swine. Because the second we do that, they're going to trample them under their feet and they're going to turn and tear you to pieces. In essence, you are to be wise in who you address with the truth. Some will want it and others will attack you. So be wise. Know the nature of those to whom you're ministering. Don't go with fear, you go, but use wisdom. Be innocent and go with alertness knowing that they come to destroy. Mankind are sinners and, and my brother, my brother does a lot of work with abortion, against abortion and he is crazy. I mean, he's, he, he doesn't mind getting arrested in all these different things. He's a, a true believer. I praise God for that. But I tell him all the time, son. he's like my son, he's 10 years younger. My brother, please be wise because these people are evil. It's an interesting little account there with John the Baptist, isn't it? John the Baptist went to the ruler and he basically said, you're sinning in your affair, and it didn't go well for John the Baptist, am I right? So just know that as you approach mankind that your head might be taken off. And listen, I believe some can be called to that. Some can be radical and called to just be bold in those ways, but know that it comes at a cost and be willing to take that cost because mankind is sinful and therefore they will attack. So according to Jesus, Be watchful. Be on the alert. Know the enemy as you approach them. I think it's foolish for Christians to sound off alarms without knowing the nature of whom they are sounding it to. The fourth piece of advice that is given is given in verse 19, and I think it's a funny piece of advice. Look with me in verse 19. When they deliver you over, do not be what? Do not be anxious. There's the advice. Don't be anxious. Is that not funny? (laughs) Like, wait a second. I'm going to wolves. They're about to bite my head off, but don't be what? Let me tell you, there's something sweet in being in the will of God, and that when you are under the face of persecution, you can rest in God. You can rest in his care. Yes, you are a sheep. Yes, you're going before ravelous wolves. But don't worry. Rest in God. Rest in his provisions. Rest in his character. He won't abandon you in that critical hour. Rather, he'll fill you with the needed words for the moment. Isn't that remind us of Psalm 23? When God, who is our shepherd, even though we walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Yes, we're dealing with sinners, but we don't need to fear, because God will care for us, and you can rest in that care. Can anybody say amen? We're going to make you Pentecostal-like by the time I'm done with (laughs) it. I'm just kidding. Fifth piece of advice is found in verse 23. Verse 23 says this. When they persecute you in one city, one town, flee to the next. For truly, I, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Here is a principle and that is the piece of advice is flee to the next city. If the reaction is so contrary, move on. Interesting, isn't it? I have uh, five boys in my family. My, my, my Parents produced five boys. Sean is the oldest. Shane and Shannon, were both twins. She wanted a girl. That's why she called me Shannon. <laughs> then uh, Aaron and Andrew, who were 10 years later, all boys. The oldest is living a homosexual gay lifestyle. The youngest is claiming to be atheist. And, and all of my life I've prayed for them. All of my life, I've preached the gospel to them. Now when I walk in a room, immediately there is emotion in their hearts of anger. I've realized it's now time to be quiet. Flee to the next city. God can still minister, and he can do it through other people. I will obviously be there ready, but there's no sense... When their heart is hard to continue to push forward. When persecution is so severe, sometimes you just pick up, dust your feet off, and move to the next city. Our mission is not a suicide mission. We're not going to the middle of Iraq and screaming, come to Jesus, he'll save you. In that situation, we're doing hand-to-hand combat. Persecution is never to be sought. It's only to be endured for the sake of Christ. It's not a badge we put on. We're not to seek it out intentionally. But when it comes, we are to face it and face it with joy. We're not called to be afraid. We're not called to be unwise either. What's interesting, when you look at the book of Acts, you'll see that often what God did was when persecution came here, it pushed them to here, and it was here where the advance of the gospel went forth. We left a testimony here, and it spread to here, and then fruit came out there. I see that in Uganda. Those first three years, it was not easy. I hit a dead dead end. I moved from there and I moved to a village called Kubamitwe. And there it's been green pastures. So embrace God's sovereignty and be pushed on in your mission, knowing you've done your part. Know that God is guiding you into his perfect will. So rejoice. And know when it's time to move on. Can we say amen? Let me give you the, I've given you the advice. Let me give you the last part of this sermon before people remove me from the microphone because I've taken too long. The last part of the sermon is, is this the end result of persecution. The end result of persecution. Look with me in verse 22. Verse 22 says this you will be hated by all for my name's sake but the one who endures to the end will be what will be what will be what will be saved the end of our persecution is sweet it's salvation it is glory God will reward the sufferer sufferer with himself. According to Romans 8.18, the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory which is to be revealed. Persecution will prove who is truly a believer and who is not. You remember Matthew 13, 21, when it says, Affliction and persecution arose because of the word, and immediately some fell away. Persecution will cause you to realize wait, I couldn't have gone through this if I wasn't born again. But for some, it will go, Wait a second here, am I truly born again? Because when persecution came, I ran. For those who endure to the end, according to our Christ's words, you will be saved. The end of persecution, the end of the pains of persecution, will result in you being loved by God throughout eternity. Brothers and sisters, we live in crazy days. But the instruction of Jesus and his own days were crazy. Remember, Israel wanted nothing to do with their Messiah. And the cost for them was severe. But remember the words of Romans 8.35, which says, What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall persecution? I'm sorry, shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or a sword? Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than what? you got to love that. We're more than conquerors. Through him who, what? Loved us. Jude says those to whom he beloves, he calls to himself, and then he keeps. Oh, Friends don't worry about the world there's nothing to worry about there's nothing to worry about you be bold out there as you proclaim the king having compassion for those that don't know him but follow these pieces of instructions be smart be innocent be on the alert What was the fourth one? Thank you. Thank you. Don't be anxious. And lastly is what? (laughs) Huh? And move on. You did a good job marrying that guy right there. That's good. (laughs) Let me end by praying for you. Listen, my mission's in Uganda. It's a lot easier than your mission here. I promise you. I don't know, I get to go and just proclaim Jesus everywhere and people are happy. That's why all of you need to participate in helping the mission in Africa because God is making his name known in Africa in ways he's not making himself known today in this Western world. God wants Africans in heaven because he wants dancing in heaven. (laughs) And so you pray for me, I'll pray for you. But listen, let's go. O oh, church, arise. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we come to you mindful of you standing over your own disciples and apostles. And we stand in like, way, in like ways communicating your exact same message. Standing in all of you and the wisdom of your instruction. And so, Lord, help us to be bold, to not worry as we face the crowds, knowing that you're with us. But at the same time, help us exercise the wisdom that you've given so that we can be effective in our testimony of your name to those who are lost. Lord, I pray that you would embed in the hearts of these my friends here, fellow soldiers, fellow pilgrims, infuse in them a passion for the lost. Father, as I've heard that there are university Bible studies now happening, and they're going on the campuses of this country. Oh God, give them this wisdom as they go. Empower them with a confidence in you. And may they, may we see the fruit in this last hours of people coming and being saved from your wrath. May your grace go before them. And help them be faithful in their testimony of you. To you who is the king immortal, invisible to the only true God. To you be glory, honor, and praise forever and ever and ever. And all God's children say, Amen. Amen.